Hello and welcome to episode 238 of Retro Encounter, RPG Fans Weekly Podcast of Many Topics. I'm Mike Solosi, and we are back for another episode all about Mother 3. We are excited to talk about it, but also maybe somewhat emotionally drained, uh, because the end of Mother 3 is a ringer of of tears and and gasps and many other things. But to, to go through all of it, I'm joined by the same three panelists as the previous week, starting with Joe Padilla. You reap what you sow. And Alana Higgs. <laughs> Howdy. And Zach Wilkerson. I'm not ready. Hi. I, uh... <laughs> I was being positive and everybody else was like, uh... I was, I was quoting from the game. You were. <laughs> I was being positive, too, about the ending of this game. It's amazing. Yeah. Y- yeah, um, I, I was... I, I enjoyed this game, uh... At the point where I was in the previous episode, I was early in Chapter 4. Like, I don't think I'd even reached Club Tidaboo yet. But that's when Mother 3 becomes a more traditional RPG. You have more than one or two party members from Chapter 4 onward. And there is a little bit of, like, dungeon-to-the-next-dungeon kind of tasks. Uh, more so in Chapters 4 through 7 than in 1 through 3. But also, it just it, it goes stranger places and darker places. And it is it, it culminates in a chapter eight that is a hell of a finale that we could probably do an entire third episode just on the last 30 minutes of the game. Easily. But uh, let's start Isn't it. it? <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. Put a pin in that because I do it. We, uh, Zach and I, you and I have discussed an idea that I think that I think will factor into that a little bit, but Perhaps, uh, yes, <laughs> but, um, but, but Zach continuing with this thread, like what are your overall feelings coming and, uh, and impressions coming out of finishing mother three? It's an all-timer. I mean, honestly, like, I, I have played this game up through Chapter 4, like, probably three times up until now. But uh, Chapters 6, 7, and 8 are, are just, they're otherworldly. They, they Earthbound is a, is, is a great game. This game is a it is so much better than Earthbound. And it's, I, I hope it gets localized at some point. It, it's, it's incredible. Like, it's, it's. It's difficult in like the good way, like in terms of the turn-based combat. They do some really fascinating things with the combat, but the story—I uh, mean, the story is—it—it—it it, it rocked my world. All right, and uh, uh, Joe, same question: like, wh- what are your feelings on this game now that you finished it recently? Absolutely stunning. Um, just ev- pretty much everything in this game, uh, on the level it's working, works for me. I love. The art direction. I love the music. I think the story is fantastic. These characters are a delight. It's really emotionally resonant with me. I think it is one of the best games I've ever played. Okay, well, Agreed. Right, that, that, that's so far we're two out of two on this is one of the best games ever made. Uh, phenomenal. Alana, what, what are your feelings on this? Uh, well, I won't surprise you then because I also agree with both of my other panelists. Um, but I think there's two games in particular I always bring up that I've played on Retro Encounter. Um, one is Xenogears and the other is Sweeter Than Two and Mother 3 is right up there with both of them. And both of those other games have like become top tens. And this is also right up there. And I think in a similar way to Joe, like, especially for somebody who plays mostly RPGs, I don't think I've found a game like it that speaks to me politically, emotionally, personally. As much as Mother 3 does, like, there is... It was hard. The last sequence in particular was really, really difficult for me to sit through because, like, everything that had been leading up to it, and I'm sure we'll go into it in great depth later on, um, 
it just hit me like everything it was like the culmination of everything everything had been building up to something and it, it just it was like a firework going off and I thought yeah. oh my god like it was it was so special and yeah like Earthbound I adore and would probably also go in that top 10 but I feel like Mother 3 kind of surpasses it they're pretty different so it's in similar different like ways but I don't know Mother 3 just really clicked and I was I was expecting it to be really good I wasn't expecting me to come away from it like oh my god this is like this is what I needed right now if mm. you know what I mean no, absolutely regarding my feelings uh I've been part of the Retro Encounter podcast for right around five years and I've been like hosting and producing most of it for three years and we've do- we've covered a lot of my favorite games of all time we did episodes on Chrono Trigger and Super Mario RPG and Dragon Quest V and it's always fun sort of celebrating games I already knew were this good. and But then some, when something really exceeds expectations, like when I was pretty much blown away by playing Suikoden 2 for the first time a little a little less than two years ago, this is, this is at that level. Like, I knew this game was good. I knew it went emotional places. I even knew who the identity of the Masked Man was basically the moment yeah. I saw him. But that yeah. doesn't make the... The game makes that very obvious. Yeah, 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 but that doesn't make everything in Chapter 8 hit less hard or everything that in uh, I would say chapter five and chapter seven mother three goes incredible personal emotional political places and and to talk about that sort of first when you're reacting to mother three is perfectly correct but it's also just a rock solid rpg mechanically that is creative and uh and and has a, a decent challenge balance the whole two this is a crafted RPG that does amazing things with RPG storytelling. And I, I, uh, I in the GBA episode a couple weeks ago, I mentioned that I thought the best, R- uh, or at least I alluded to the idea that the best GBA RPG to me is uh, is um, Mario and Luigi Superstar Saga for how it blends writing mm-hmm. and game mechanics uh, be- beautifully. Yeah. I think this might exceed it. Um, oh, it blows the, it up the water. Mo- Mother, yeah. 3, Mother Three is maybe the best Game Boy Advance game, both from because of how strong it is mechanically and visually, and and uh, it's the story is just a mind blow. And uh, I, I think this is one of the all time great RPGs of its era. Yeah, like when people come in with expectations, like Mother Three is heralded, isn't it? Like, oh my god, it's so good, and that kind of terrifies me about games sometimes. Like, you go into something like Final Fantasy VI, and you're like, oh my god, will it live up to everyone's expectations? And like, the special thing is, is when something exceeds all of those really lofty expectations, you're like, no, mm-hmm. I get it. Like, you know, and this is another one of those moments. I think. Yeah, when I go into something that has a lot of baggage or a lot of clout, I try to temper my expectations a little bit. But yeah. but but I mean, the classics are classics for a reason a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. And uh and I mean, Mother 3 has such a crazy reputation, um especially since it, it it's it's been Japan only for these 15 years or uh or maybe a little less than 15 years. It it, it almost had this uh it has this feeling of being a secret classic that like that Nintendo doesn't want you to see or something and that just that adds to its mystique a little bit but i think it lived up to everything for me which is insane um i i uh, i i mentioned the previous episode that i i tried to play this in the late 2000s and then my laptop died and and that that was a true anecdote i i remembered the place uh where i had stopped when i got there it was a, it was a, a like eh, partway through chapter 7 but i i didn't remember all of the steps it, that this game was taking, uh, when I as I when I replayed it, I sort of I noticed more things and thought more critically about some things that I think I appreciated it more now in 2020 than I did in, say, 2009 or whenever I played it. 
So listeners, we've been gushing about this game for eight minutes already. So <laughs> please go uh, go in with that expectation. If you're if you are uh, maybe thinking we will will be trying to take down some of the ideas in this game or uh, or or be extremely critical of it, sorry. Who would? <laughs> I mean, seriously, this game is amazing. Yeah. So uh, where do we begin? I, I guess chapter four. Um, it's a little strange to me that a lot of this game uh, centers around a club called Titty Boo that I, I wasn't sure if it's just a regular rock club or if it's deliberately selling sex a little bit. <laughs> um, judging, judging by the line that says um, that's advertising, it says a paradise of music. And other stuff too, where it's like, uh, <laughs> what does that mean? I don't know. Maybe it's a little bit like the In and Out Burger secret menu. Do, uh, do they are are they selling sex at In and Out Burger? <laughs> <laughs> no, but the but the animal burger yeah, isn't isn't a, isn't on the the menu at the top, like above the cashier either. Yeah, I, I'm not sure if Club Tidibu is supposed to be like a strip joint that has music. Or not, and I'm not sure, like, what Kumatora has been doing there for three years, especially since she rejects uh, uh, ideas of femininity often, although, although, like, she is, you know, at least in canon attractive in the context of this game. So, I, I, again, I didn't know, really know what to think about it, but uh, re- rescuing uh, Duster from some combination of ACDC and Run DMC is <laughs> was an interesting choice. Tondagosa! <laughs> Tondagosa. I don't know what that means, but I'm into it. Oh, I love them. It's such a nice nod to um the Runaway Five, isn't yeah. it? They're, they're they're different from the Runaway Five, but uh yeah. but very much in the spirit of it and you had to play a, a rock, paper, scissors logic puzzle to to recruit Lucky back onto your team. <laughs> I, I failed that at least twice. I, I got it right the first time because I do enjoy that kind of puzzle, but I did have to ask, like, talk to each player in the yeah. <laughs> in that thing, like, like two or three times each to make sure I wasn't, you know, going cross-eyed. But uh, yeah, uh, you, you have to recruit an, an amnesiac duster with logic and uh, and by crawling through the attic of a club where there's a very very rude upright base as the boss. <laughs> that was a slightly challenging fight. I, I think I I think I died the first time I tried it. Yeah, I hit a real difficulty spike in the attic. I think it was the first time I had to actually slow down and level up a little bit. Like, Mother 3 is not generally very, very hard, but, like, there are certain jumps in the game. Yes. And here was one of them that I thought, oh, my God. And, yeah, I died. The base was the first boss I died on as well. Yeah. I, I think I think this was this one took me two or three tries, but other than that, I think that was the only boss battle that had to redo. Think. Really? Wow. So, I mean, I died at bosses a lot in this game, and, like, I've played a lot of turn-based RPGs in my time, and, like, I usually don't struggle, but, like, this game, maybe it's because, like, I could not combo, because I have zero yeah. rhythm in life. Uh, I struggled in this game, and I liked that. I didn't understand the combo system at first, and I, uh, I, I didn't get a combo probably above five until literally the last dungeon in the game, at which point I sort of figured out that it was supposed to be in time with parts of the beat and the back music and the heartbeat of the enemy and not some made-up rhythm that I, th- I thought I had to learn. So I, I, I did get a couple 16 hits in, uh, in the, the, the tower at, at, the, uh, at the last part of the game. And, 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 and against one of the final bosses, too. But, uh, but uh, like for most of the entire game up to the first half of Chapter 8, I, I did not figure out the rhythm stuff at all. Maybe that would have helped me. I, I mean, like I, 
I understood it. Even when, like, there were times when I could, like, get it for, like, 9, 10, 12, 14 combos. And there were other times where I could get nothing. The comboing system made a huge difference in the difficulty of this game. Yeah, I, th- I think if you can get combos regularly, your regular attacks will do, I don't know, maybe 25% more damage, and that's a lot. I mean, you're looking at double, you're looking at double damage, uh, approximately, if you get in, like, the probably 14 to 16 range, I think. I think um, that's right, yeah. Yeah, it really it really starts to um, rack up because they're like some of the hits are maybe four damage, but some of them get like twenty five or something. So you know, as you go further on, those beats those beats are very are very crucial to to a lot of it. And I think the only um, now that I'm thinking about it, there was another boss. It was the um, the, the classical music ghost. Uh, oh yeah, in chapter yeah. two, yeah, in the yes, castle. That, yeah, that one messed me up too. That one in the so is that one in the in the angry bass guitar or the uh, or the left behind bass guitar? <laughs> uh, so. I thought it was a du- it's a double bass, not a bass guitar. Oh, excuse me, yeah. double bass, yes. But uh, for, for me, well, jumping ahead a little bit, I thought the two bosses that I thought were the hardest in the game were basically back to back. You have a um, new facade in the uh, in the volcano, and then the uh, barrier trio in Tame Tame Island. Both of those took me, I think, more than one try. But for all of the bosses that took me more than one try to do, uh, which was a handful, I could mostly fix it by going back and like maybe gaining one more level so Kumatora would learn a new spell, or uh, buy some extra healing items and give them to Boney or Duster, uh, and and then and just readjust my strategy a little bit. So. I don't think it was ever unfair. Uh, maybe the most unfair when the game was with the barrier trio of re- changing their weaknesses based on based on text. That was that, that was a challenge to figure out. But um, this is a like I mentioned this earlier. I think mechanically this is a this RPG does a lot of smart things with its game design, and you can even game it a little bit. Like it, it'll tell you when a hit is enough to kill someone with the mortal blow text, but mm-hmm. but you still have time to save them if you can act quickly enough before their health scrolls down, and uh, and slow it down by having them defend because when you when a character is defending, their uh, their health zooms down at around half the speed. I didn't so, realize that until the very last fight of the game. Unfortunately, <laughs> yeah, but if, if very I very important that fight. After I figured that out, um, and this happened a lot in chapter seven and eight. Uh, when when someone took mortal damage, uh, I would immediately have them guard and then have a different and ha- have a different character heal them uh, to try and interrupt the, the the damage and like just like tricks like that and uh, and also the variety of spells like there, there's a lot of useful status. And uh, stat up, stat down uh, skills in this game that let you you know manipulate those systems. It's it's just a lot of good RPG stuff and not just a cool story, which I I was which I agree. which is uh something I wasn't necessarily expecting going in. So uh, in chapter four, it's mostly about um about finding Duster again and then finding the uh, the hummingbird egg uh, that he had that he hid in um in a valley region. Before before he lost his memory and uh, and that's really the the first time you finally have a party of four in the entire game and and again I mentioned this before but I think that the main trio of Lucas Kumatora Duster and then sort of Boney as the I don't know I think Boney is a bit less of a character than those three but still it's, it's just it's just a really good main four yeah it is yeah one of my I think it's one of my favorite RPG parties that I've had along with maybe uh, maybe Mass Effect two um, near um yeah it's a really it's a really great party oh man my favorite rpg parties like 
we're, we're talking about the ones that I love so much. I think of them almost like my children that I just want to be that, that I just that I just want I just want to see successful and happy. Mm-hmm. Like I don't know, uh, like Trials of Mana, Dragon Quest Eleven, Chrono Trigger. It, it, I don't know if it quite hits that elite tier for me, but uh, this is a really good four main characters. I'd have to sit down and do like my my top five or something like that. But this is definitely being it. I really I really love these characters. I love their designs. Uh, I think they're all extremely useful. I, I don't know if this is. I don't know how popular or unpopular this is. I think the most likable and fun design of the whole group is definitely Kumatora. She is yeah. like, like everything from her colors to her hoodie to like how just how powerful she is to her personality. I always wanted Kumatora involved in stuff. She she was just, she's fun to use and fun to to see in action. She she's a great main character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I guess they're just a, not a bunch of misfits necessarily, but they're a bunch of not maybe outcasts. I can't think of the right word for it. But like you've got Lucas, a 13-year-old or however old he is, who's lost his mom. His brother's gone missing. His dad is still grieving over the loss of his son and wife. And then you've got Kumatora, who is a girl who, like you said, pushes away femininity. She is very much boisterous, but you know, she doesn't really have a family apart from the Gypsies. And then you have Duster, who's a thief who has a clubbed foot and a dog. And it's like, it's four people who shouldn't come together and they do come together essentially. And I think that's what makes them so appealing is that nothing is made, nothing big is made of them. They're not like deified or anything and they're not perfect human beings or anything like that, but they're just, they're just likable. Like I don't, I can't think of, Anything I dislike about any of them, they're all really good in battle. They've all got really good dialogue. They meld together really well. It's just, it's just nice. It's good. Yeah. Um. From the outside, they they're sort of unspecial. Like like even it's even it's all even right. made clear that Kumatora is not a part of a royal line. They just the Majipsis just decided to make her the princess of Osohe Castle. <laughs> yeah. So they're in in a way they are none of them are the chosen one. They they have a certain level of ordinary to them, but uh just work really well as a team and are, are uh, clearly like good people trying to do good. I, I didn't, I never had a single doubt about any of their motivations in a, in a way like uh in a way like I'm sure Duster is going to b- betray the party or uh, this is inconsistent with what they were before. I never had a feeling like that. Again, just really well-balanced, well-designed team, both from a personality and visual design and gameplay standpoint, like even Boney, who by far has the least amount to do in the party, he doesn't have the skills or spells of the other three. He has the uniqueness of being a loyal dog and has the highest speed in the party by far, so he's the best item user of the bunch. And you want to give him all your bombs and all of your best healing items as a result. So, mm-hmm. so like, like, like all of them have – they fit very nicely into a four-piece puzzle in terms of party design. Mm-hmm. And, and I can get weird about like – theory crafting and party design and things like that. You, if you've heard me talk about Trials of Mana or Diablo yeah. 2, then you, then, you, then you at least understand that a little bit. It's like, oh no, he's getting he's getting weird about which class to pick again. And um, like, there's no uh, level of customization of your party like in uh, a lot of other RPGs in Mother 3. But it's just, it's, it's four characters that fit very well together. And I, I think it's a really, really strong main team. That is good. But uh, moving on from uh, one of the greatest video game music bands of all time, and uh, and a, a club with with some you know questionable uh, qu- questionable business practices. Um, in chapter five, you uh, locate the the egg in a forest, but uh, realize that the uh, robot, or I should say, the golem that uh, Duster hid it in, got picked up for trash removal. 
So you there's a, a an unusual sequence where you have to sort of travel through the highways and underground tunnels of the of the world of Mother Three to locate the dump where it's going. <laughs> uh, did any of you uh, help the robot that was charging, or help the the mouse lady find her seven children? I yes. started the mouse stuff, yeah, but I, I tried to do the robot as well, but I missed. I was one second off. I was fourteen seconds. I got I got fourteen seconds twice, and decided, well, screw this. I have to record a podcast in six days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Knowing this game, I feel like it would only go up to fourteen just for the sake of humor. <laughs> yeah, probably. You know, yes, that's very very possible. <laughs> Yeah, and I I only found a few of the uh, the mice along the way. But this going through this, um, all the chimeras that they have. I mean, they're funny, but they're also very unsettling. These Frankenstein creations of just mashing two types of animals together. Yeah, they really walk the line between amusing and terrifying, and almost all of them are communicated as being very strong and dangerous. That that mm-hmm. I that I think added to it a little bit. And, and, and like even from the very beginning, the, like the, you have those uh, what were the cow snake things called around the train station? Oh, um, cattle snakes. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The, the, the ca- yeah. from the cattle snakes at the very beginning, the game is telling you these are weird but dangerous in a way that sort of I think hangs over you the whole game. It's like, oh no, chimeras are going to mess you up if you're not careful. And right. and, 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 I, and I think it uh, it held to that promise. Right, and before that, you've only had, like, ordinary snakes or bats or yams. So it's, like, <laughs> it's a hell of a difference. They're pretty awful. I mean, I laughed at, I think it was, like, like a kangaroo shark or something. I found that very amusing, but just on Ooh. my own, kind of. But, yeah, like, it's horrifying. And I think after seeing the Drago at the beginning of the game, which has been half roboticized, like, you think that's what could happen to every single animal and what is happening to every single animal by the pig army. It's, mm-hmm. it's awful. The one that still haunts my nightmares is the ostrich elephant where the body oh, of the ostrich, oh, yeah. the body of the ostrich is the elephant head and the elephant's trunk is the neck of an ostrich. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know if there are one, two or zero brains in that thing. It's a, it's, don't think about it too hard. But uh, when you eventually go to the uh, Chimera Lab in Chapter 7, uh, you meet Dr. Andonuts there. And it I, it appears to be maybe even the same Dr. Andonuts from, from Earthbound. And we can, we can talk about how that's possible a little bit later. But, I mean, that whole laboratory segment, there aren't a lot of random battles in it. I don't think there are any because you're disguised as a member of the Pig Mask Army. So, so it's, it's kind of a cool sort of like, you know, faci- facility-style dungeon or maybe you can even call it a mission. But there's a chimera and it's so powerful that you get an instant game over if it even tags you so yeah so a uh, funny story uh oh? lucas decided to learn a psi spell right in front of it and i died <laughs> oh so you, so you can you can die at that point in the so you, game I, I didn't even know that that's amazing but yeah but, yeah, but if you get a if you get a, a fever from learning a, a psi spell then you can't yeah. dash and yeah, and it saw me yeah. the minute the minute I came in. It was like Lucas is having a fever. I was like, not now, please. And the camera just <laughs> wow. to me. I was like, okay, fine. They're in Smash Bros. They look really cute in Smash Bros. They do not look cute on a GBA screen. No, this is the, like uh, like that is maybe the second scariest scene in a GBA game, other than everything that the SRX does in uh, in, uh, in Metro oh, Fusion. God, yeah, Why? a nightmare. Oh, I'm sorry, SAX. I think right. Yeah, yeah, it's, 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 nightmare. Yeah, it's, it's pretty awful. It's, it's the same as Aaron X, whatever. Uh, but the, but the, yeah, like being able to communicate dread in this way from a weird purple behemoth with a bird sitting on top is uh, pretty remarkable of them. 
I really want like a plush of that though. I really <laughs> yeah, do. Yeah, <laughs> in a yeah. yeah. Yes. Like, I, like, yeah, it's in this game. It's like, ugh, this is, this is pretty horrifying. But yeah, in Smash Bros, it's so cute. I, yeah. I just, I, I really, I really would love a plush of that. The chimeras are, um, I mean, it's just kind of falling in, in line with all this, all this about how kind of the pig masks and facade are kind of corrupting the nature around them, you know, starting with roboticizing the Drago and then, you know, it's a few years later and you see all the nature around you and it's no longer normal enemies. It's all these just awful creations that have very punny names, but are no, are no less horrifying. Yeah. Because like, you've already seen like the commodification and the cut, like, the capitalist evolution of Tasmalee and how it's turned into suburbia. And then you go in chapter four, I think you run across a train track, don't you? Um, and then in chapter five, you're on a motorway highway to some extremely high tech building. Like you've gone from mm-hmm. really cute little town to extremely huge buildings, lots of electricity and horrendous, hideous monsters in the space of about two or three hours. And it's a big shock, I think, even if it's gradual. And uh, yeah. where we left off, uh, when you finally locate the dump where the egg is located, you fight like the, the saddest golem in the world, who, who's like <laughs> struggling just to just to be alive and made of made of junk. But uh, after you take that out, you um, the next part of the game is uh, going through Thunder Tower, and this is the probably the earliest part of the game where it's hev- where it's very blatantly obvious that Lucas uh, and, and that well, I should say that Klaus is still alive. Because Lucas is mistaken for their commander. Their commander is this uh, is this masked man who, uh, like, I don't know how oblivious you are to not realize that that the the masked man is Klaus from the moment you see him. Uh, but in that uh, in that dungeon in Thunder Tower, which I think is connected to one of the factory areas, it, it's it's made very clear that Facade and the uh, Pig Mask Army are. Uh, like threat are basically using a lightning machine to blast anyone who doesn't own a happy box with lightning, which is just, which you know puts the uh, puts the stuff with uh, Alec and Reggie and Flint's homes into just a you know a slightly I don't know a slightly ruder context, but uh, but that, that's a pretty long dungeon. And at the at the very top, you uh, you fight a security system, and then a facade takes a giant dive off of the thunder tower due to slipping on a banana peel. And that that, you, that factors into the game later. You also get the insight into who the leader of the pig mask army is because you find the king's bedroom, don't you? That's right, and, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with oh, yeah. the hot spring and the maid, and you get all of these little earthbound references. And this is where things start to fall into place a little bit, I think. Like, that bedroom is pretty creepy, but it it obviously evokes everything that's kind of uncomfortable and disgusting about the horrible kid from earthbound who makes an appearance again later. And the um, I think the lightning is is super interesting in the way of like I, I don't think anyone in Tasmanly knows that this lightning is being programmed. It's it, it's like they kind of see it as some sort of um, divine intervention in a way, or or um, e- yeah, either either something divine or or a natural phenomenon, which it's neither. Exactly, yeah, and and I think that I mean I took it uh, very similarly to the. All good things, all bad things come from God. Sort of uh, view that that some yeah. people would have. Um, I think Karl um, Marx would have some things to say about that. Yes. <laughs> I, I well, I would know nothing about that. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, it, I thought that was a really interesting note to have 
and when it's you know particularly um, affecting uh, seniors in the community, and then it uh, affects Reggie. I think it's it's a kind of it's very scary and very dark. Uh, yeah, yeah, targeting so, targeting the oldest and the most peaceful members of the community is uh, you know a, a a bit of a dark choice there. And also, I think it's a reference to something that happens early in Earthbound. Uh, uh, po- Pokey becomes a disciple of, uh, of of the blue cult. Right. And uh, yeah. and and the leader of that cult, uh, Mr. Car Painter, uses uses lightning uses lightning powers to keep people in line. So I thought, may, and uh, so and, and I think that maybe that is you know an idea that Pokey slash Porky carried to uh, to a much more extreme version in Mother Three. Yeah. Yeah. And thought of that. Immediately after Thunder Tower, uh, you um, the Rope Snake heroically tries to have uh, tries to keep you uh, airborne, attached to one of the UFOs of the Pig Mask Army for a while. But you end up uh, you end up um, you end up dropping to the ground, and um, uh, Lucas lands in the Sunflower Fields in the shortest chapter in the game. Powerful chapter too. Yeah, oh. it's I mean, Woo! it's Lucas and, and and I guess also Boney. Uh, like like thinking of uh, Lucas's departed mother Hinoa, like having her sort of direct him to the edge of this beautiful uh, sunflower field, but then falling off of a cliff and landing in a bale of hay. The whole thing takes maybe three minutes, but it is so beautiful and powerful, and is a reminder of the tragic passing of Hinoa in chapter one that hangs over the whole game. Mm, it pervades a lot following it, doesn't it? Because yeah, um, you go it, it and may- talk to a lot of characters afterwards and they say, oh, a woman t- came along and told me to do this, or oh, the ghost of your mm-hmm. mother came along to put this here. And it's like, Mother 3, the Mother series isn't necessarily, it doesn't really push like motherhood or like the mother role that much. Because, you know, in Earthbound, your mother's at home. And Mother 1 is better at it because obviously your grandmother is the one who raised Gigas or Geek or whatever. But here, like, your mother is almost the the driving force of everything even though she's absent like she's the one who saves you she's the reason that klaus wants to get stronger and you know as a result of everything like this whole thing started off by the death of the mother kind of thing it's pretty horrible my interpretation of the name of the series is always about like 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 we are all part of one mother earth but also your Mm. mother your mother will always be there for you like what are the are the sort of two ideas and in mother three those themes hit so hard because of of like of of Hinoa's just an unbelievable empathy and kindness hanging over everything that Lucas and Klaus do and also I mean talk, talking about like saving the earth and destroying the earth and sort of the what might what, like what happens to mother earth in the context of chapter 8 but after the after the sunflower fields the game gets really rpg as hell because you are given seven goals and need to go to eat and need to go to each one of them in sequence you don't. You can do them in any order, apart you, from the last needle. No. You can, yeah. I did them in the order the game recommends, but you can, in fact, get Duster first. I was <laughs> reading... You can do them... Yeah, so it's like the original Mother. You can do the needles in any order, apart from, obviously, the first and the last one, which is Chapter 8, obviously. So I did not know that until I looked it up. I had no idea. Is, is there a way yeah. that I could have made New Facade easier by doing it later? Maybe? Well, I mean... <laughs> It's not going to make a difference, really. I think everything scales with you at that point. I don't know. I mean, I did it in the recommended order and had okay. as much trouble as you both did. So, because <laughs> yeah. also the um, uh, finding the masked man at the, uh, the at the sixth needle, the one that's near Alex's house, is, is also a bit of a challenging find. I don't know if I could have done that at a lower level. 
Yeah, no, I actually no. I think it's the sixth, the seventh, and the first you have to do, but the oh, okay, other okay. ones you can do in any other order. So you mm. can get Duster back first. I mean, that's like very out of the way from where they direct you. Yeah, exactly. Could you get like Duster really early and then do like the third, fourth, fifth uh, needles? Because the stuff in Saturn Valley, c- c- skipping ahead a little bit, in the, in Chapter 7, everyone is separated because of dropping out of the sky. And Duster lands in Saturn Valley, which has been take do- taken over by the Pig Mask Army. So, but, and liberating Saturn Valley is not the biggest challenge. So, But the dungeon after it, the volcano with new facade at the end, I think is one of the harder parts of the game. So is, is, hardest, yeah. Yeah, yeah, like, could you have rescued Duster like very early and then gone and done Needles 2, and, uh, two 3, and 4? So you have a full party of four for those needles, and then maybe go to do the fourth needle, which is which is the one in the volcano near Duster, like, after you've leveled up a little more, maybe? I'd have hmm. to try that, yeah. That's, that's interesting. Yeah. That's, I, would, I would have done that, because I was, I was slightly annoyed I had to do one and a half dungeons with only a party of three. Because it's, again, <laughs> I, I, I like these four a lot. I want them to stick together. But also, you mentioned Saturn Valley, because this Mr. Saturns are in this game. <laughs> Which is so delightful. It was a delightful surprise. Yes. <laughs> KO. It and but it's also really strange. Why is there a Saturn Valley here too when we haven't seen other places um from you know from Earthbound, but this is still here and it still has some of the similar layout that it had in Earthbound. Hmm hmm hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I... We can talk about that, why that's maybe true when we get into Chapter 8 stuff, but uh, that, that was a little bit of a surprise. But I'm, I'm glad to see that, this, that the Mr. Saturns are just as delightful and positive as they were in, in Earthbound. I really love the one stuck in the bin. Yeah. <laughs> yes. They're all, so, they're all so good. And then the, um, the, when they ask you to gather the birds, <laughs> but it, it ends up being a flying cage of birds rather than... <laughs> An assortment of birds that carries you, like they're still in the cage. And and, and the, around that point in the game is where you realize that Rope Snake believes he is just as important to your party, if not more so than say Duster and Boney. <laughs> yeah, I, and and he really he really goes for it. He really tries to redeem himself. I, I put in my notes Rope Snake Redemption, um, <laughs> and then right immediately after saying never mind. <laughs> oh, he's trying his best. He is trying. His jaw just hurts. All right. Yeah. My jaw would hurt too if I. Yeah. If, if I was <laughs> if, if I like was attaching myself to multiple aircraft and trying to support the weight of three humans and a dog. Yeah. Right. So it's like you think it's cute to play tug of war with a dog by, by like putting the rope in your mouth too. Don't do that. Dog jaws are stronger than human jaws. They will rip. Uh-huh. They will rip your teeth straight out. So like. <laughs> Like like that lesson that I learned as a small child, um, which you know I, I didn't get my teeth ripped out. I was just informed of that. Um, is what is what is what came to mind when I saw the the rope snakes struggling to to support those four people. But we mentioned these the different pins. Uh, the the seven magipsies are each of them is guarding a pin which pins the uh, a dark dragon in place. There's a dragon that is underneath the nowhere nowhere islands who has power to shape or destroy the world, and uh, the the dragon will become free if all seven pins are pulled, and if a person with a pure heart or a good heart pulls the last pin, then the dragon's power can be used for good. If someone with an evil heart does it, then then the dragon's power can be used for evil. That's the basics of it, although it's a little bit more complicated than that. And when you, the very first one you see being pulled by the masked man, 
and then numbers two through six are basically alternately drawn by drawn by Lucas and the Masked Man. It's clear that the Pig Mask Army is trying to get the dragon's power for themselves, so they're seeking out each of them. But the the Majipsies that guard that guard them, it was a feeling, or at, at least a. Uh, um, a tone that each of them conveyed that I was a little surprised by. Like, each of them are equally good, but also kind of flippant. But they welcome you coming to pull their pin, their needle and, like, almost appreciate you for doing so and, and welcome death or the end of their existence with open arms. Because every time a, a gypsy's needle is pulled, they, they fade away and disappear. That was... I, I wasn't expecting that. Like, like it, in a GBA game, someone resembling a drag queen... Just welcoming death was not something I totally expected. Okay, it's, it's complicated. It, it is strange. And my favorite one was the one that was asleep all the time. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, I uh, left a note for you. And, uh, yeah, they're there, yeah. Yeah, she, she just leaves a note there for you. I, I think it's the one outside of the volcano. And um, uh, when, you, when you fight New Facade, who, again, uh, is uh, fell off the Thunder Tower in Chapter 5, but is coming back with... Uh, parts of their face covered in um, in like saxophone horns, mm-hmm. and it's, it's one of the more challenging bosses fights in the game. I did, I had to go back and level up and and fight. That was the only part of the game where I did some legit grinding. I died once and said, "Okay, I'm going to stock up on healing items and not come back until everyone is one level higher." That's the only time in the game I really had to do that, and uh, and won the second time. But after you defeat New Facade, the uh, the Majipsy that's there wakes up, comes back, says, "Oh, I've left some detailed notes. Here are where the next two are. I don't know where the seventh one is here, too. Good luck. I'll put them, I'll, I'll put them on your map." <laughs> it's like you're the most useful NPC in this whole game. You're great. <laughs> well, they also like drop you off like literally in front of the next dungeon too after you're done with that one. Yeah, after you. Uh, well, yeah, you have to navigate your way through the volcano again to get out of there, which is not which is not a blast. Yeah. Um, I mean, the, it's not fun to even get your way in there. That's why it's the hardest boss. In the yeah, game. and then there, like, and there, there's there no isn't, safe point. You'll, yeah, there's no save like, frog or hot spring in front in front of new facade, yeah. which and yeah. uh, and it's, and it's a boss that does a lot of damage. Right, I, I wiped the new facade uh, or the facade in general like four times in this particular fight, and it was just because partially, like there was no way I could avoid all the fights leading up to it, and like I was always just a little bit short on like PSI points, like I, I just mm-hmm. didn't have. Like I wasn't ready for it because I couldn't avoid the fights, and then like you gotta cast run, life up and freeze a couple of, times. Exactly, yeah. I just ran out of stuff, um, and I didn't have. And it turns out in Mister Saturn Valley, there's a place that you can go buy gear that will help protect you from fire attacks, which mm-hmm. I didn't know until afterwards. That would have been very helpful um, while I was walking <laughs> there. But yeah, I mean, like this game, it has some NES qualities to it. Like it requires you to really think and explore a little bit even in its very, like, sort of, like, train track version of um, a difficult turn-based RPG. And I didn't check, so that was my bad. They give you the tools to help the the more challenging parts of this game. Mm-hmm. But they uh, but you have to, sometimes you have to dig a little bit deep for them. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, the dungeon after this, in the, I guess, traditional re- or recommended order, is uh, is going through the ocean to the Tame Tame <laughs> Islands. <sighs> Oh boy. I did not enjoy this dungeon at all. No. Yeah, going from oxygen point to oxygen point is one small challenge. And then uh, the boss fight at the end isn't that bad. You have to fight some kind of current monster, like like ocean current monster. And then you have to navigate a uh, the island area, which is medium difficult, but without any items. And also while hallucin- hallucinating on mushrooms. 
like and, my uh, favorite part of the game. Yeah, and, 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 then, and then there's oh even gosh. there's a fake hot hot spring that ends up being oh a God. pile of sludge, and it's like, oh, that's why Boney refused refused to go into this hot spring. It wasn't a hot spring at all. Yeah. This is gross. All right. And I'm I'm glossing over the most important part of of this all. The oxygen tanks are mermen with enormous kissy lips. Right. Yes. And you have and to. They take a long time to get through. Like yeah. when they're giving you oxygen. When you it's very pink. Yeah, with each oxygen point, it, it like you basically have to uh, French kiss this uh, a merman one by one, a robot merman, I guess, and uh, and the screen fades to pink. It, it's it's a moment, and you have to, and it takes like seven seconds each time, and you have to do it conservatively at least ten times more if you want to get the treasure in that area. Right, and most of the time you'll only get to them when you've got a tiny bit left. It's really annoying. Mm-hmm. I I didn't mind it so much just because. Like it was a bit of variety to the gameplay, but but it's also not great. And if if I wasn't able to speed it up a bit on my completely legal Game Boy Advance copy of this, um, then <laughs> then it's it would have been more annoying than it was. The sequence leading up to going underwater or after going underwater, yeah, like yeah, the, the multiple flints that the, yeah, the yeah, most f- part, yeah, yeah. yeah. flints and flints and Klauses, and I think a couple uh, a couple Wesses in there also. It's the first mm-hmm. time we've seen Klaus in chapters. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. it is. And there's one of the Flints, if you talk to him, he says, I'm going to beat you, boy. And it's like, oh, yeah. God. Yeah. And so like, that cowboy how becomes real. Yeah. And then, and then you know, you think back to the um, to him taking, like, the two-by-four, essentially, and mm-hmm. hitting people with it. And you're like, oh, that's that's not a joke. Like, yeah. it, it, it felt very real in that moment of, like, yeah, perhaps Flint is a pretty violent father. Um, oh god because well, you imagine like you know this is possibly lucas's um subconscious kind of coming out through these uh mushrooms or something mm-hmm. well um, it, it's it's said many times that, that flint is reliable and kind i i don't I, I don't think that necessarily hints that he that he beat lucas as, as a child although although it, it, it may mean that and i i just thought that it was basically just getting to the people who were sort of within the hearts of these four characters. And that that's why everyone like they, they, uh, they were thinking about Flint and Klaus and Wes. And that, that's why they, that that's why the chimeras were hallucinated as those things. And also, it's also, some of them are kind of hard. Like those, uh, walrus orangutans and the, uh, Oh shoot. The, the, the praying mantis. Yeah. The scorpion looking things. Yeah. I, mantis. I, yeah I, I thought, I, I thought they were like mantis scorpions. down on them every time. Yeah. Yeah. Like they, 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 they yeah. it wasn't, it wasn't an easy sequence, but then, uh, but then at the end you do finally get to uh, meet another Majipsi and then fight another one of the more challenging bosses in the game. Uh, the barrier trio, these three golems whose weakness changes often. And at the end they can cast star storm on you, which is no joke at all. Yeah, no, that, that that boss wiped me a bunch of times, too. And the only reason I was even able to handle them is because I looked up who called out what, and that meant they were vulnerable to this weakness. I'm like, it's not an easy fight. Yeah, I died once, then looked up a strategy, saw the weakness yep. thing, and then and then won the second time. But it was, That's it was, exactly it's, what I did. Yeah, but it's, 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 not, it's not an easy boss fight at all. No, it's annoying. Um, you can just use Bony Sniff, though, and he'll tell you oh. what the weakness is. That's what sniff does. It tells you what each. So every time it does that transformation, you can do a sniff. I know that if, means you'll waste a turn. I should but... have thought of that. Oh no! Yeah. But like, if you use that before they transform, which is what I did the first time, like it yeah. doesn't tell you anything, which is what my problem was. I was like, I did it once, okay. and it happens a lot later in the game. Like if you use sniff, it's just like 
uh, he smelled nothing or it smelled weird. Um, and that was where I used that. And I was like, oh, okay, I can't get any info from this boss. And then when they, <laughs> and then when they switched forms, I was like, oh, I, I didn't understand what it meant. So yeah, I mean, I, I just didn't get. Oh, that, that. makes that, yeah, that makes sense. I should, I should I should have thought of sniffing. I, I did get beyond it. Um, the last needle is over near where Alex' uh, cabin was, um, and it's it's Ionia, the the Majipsy that sort of supported you the most in the game, and, and gave I think both Lucas and Kumatora psi powers. The boss fight there is the masked man, but just before that boss fight, the badge that uh, Flint gate gives you early in the game and you gave to a Mr. Saturn to polish around the volcano area becomes the Franklin badge, a, a classic item returning from Earthbound and basically makes makes Lucas immune to lightning for the rest of the game, which is helpful because the masked man uses lightning attacks both at, in an out of battle context and in battles often. <laughs> And is a sort of and is sort of the crux to being able to defeat him there because that that masked man fight is not an easy one. I, I think I did win the first time, but I ran. I, you had to eat a lot of a lot of well done chickens and uh, <laughs> and and uh, and dumplings and whatever I bought from the mole crickets. And oh my god, we forgot the mole crickets. Right? Yeah. The the successful business mole crickets. And they give you the most useless dungeon map in history. Right. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah. Just turn every time you get to a corner. That's all I yeah, do. They, they, they give you that advice, which is helpful for getting navigating it, but the, the map that they give you is just a complete mess of cyan and purple. That doesn't make any <laughs> sense. <laughs> Ooh, but not as not as bad as the uh, as the map the the Mr. Saturn community gives you, where it's just like it's nothing. It's just a few scribbles on a on a page, and it's like there's no distinguishing features. There's no sort of path. It just looks like you're walking up like upside down lightning, essentially. <laughs> yeah, so I think some we we need some mother version of the Rosetta Stone to translate uh, like, like like Mr. Saturn logic sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> but after you pull the sixth needle, um, shockingly, the uh, the main villain of this game, Porky, literally calls a space limousine to take you to the final area. Which, again, unusual choice, but at least. At least you get there without much of a fuss. Um, New Pork City is big and flashy, and I think the first point, like like every new thing in New Pork City, makes it more clear like, as to who Porky is and what his character is. Because if it was if it was only hinted before at the Thunder Tower, um, the way that Porky is being worshipped, that he has a statue in the in the town, um, he's recreated parts of like of Wynette, like a. Uh, a restaurant where every waits, everyone in the wait staff is a robot that looks like Porky's mother, and mm-hmm. and and they recreate mm-hmm. the they recreate the game arcade from one at where where you meet Frankie in in Earthbound. Um, it, it even has the same background noise and and from the game from uh, fifteen years earlier than this one. Mm-hmm. It, it's uh. I, I don't want to get too deep into the into the uh, inner workings of Porky's mind um, because I don't that that's a topic that might be its own podcast. But uh, I think that there's a desire to to be cooler than Ness and a desire to 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 recreate parts of his childhood that manifests in just extra ultra extravagant and twisted ways that uh, that you see all over New Pork City. And it gets even weirder uh, in the final dungeon of the game. Uh, the I, I guess the, they call it like the, the Empire Pork Tower or whatever whatever the name of the giant tower is. But, uh, but in New Pork City, the first thing you do is um, 
follow some stink bugs through the sewers and you meet uh, the extremely tall man from Tasmanly Village who is now holed up in, inside an apartment. And he basically... That t- moment. He, yeah, he, yeah. He, he, he tells you the entire backstory of the Mother 3 world of the Nowhere Islands where basically everyone in Tasmanly uh, uh, managed to escape the world in an arc after the world destroyed itself in what sounds like a world war or a nuclear conflict, but uh, without being too specific about it. And then upon returning to the ruined world or the empty world, they voluntarily get um, induced amnesia, amnesia in themselves so they could leave a, a, like lead peaceful, quiet lives that would never result in a, in global conflict or nuclear war again, which is why everyone in Tasmali in chapter one feels like somewhat naive, like, like they had never experienced lightning or forest fires before and, uh, and, and are so susceptible to all of the, uh, the mess that, uh, that the pig mask army and facade brings to them. It's, it's because they had voluntarily wiped their own memories and they were refugees of a previously destroyed world. Did I, did I miss any details? No, I was going to say, like, I think that the thing that I found surprising about it was, like, how recent it was. Like, you know, like, I, I, the idea that happened wouldn't have surprised me, but, like, it was clear that, like, it was, like, the humans who lived there at that moment. Like, how far before we start in this game is that true? Like, I don't know. My, my, like, I, I don't know either, but my guess is less than 20 years, because there, yeah. there, there are children being born in, being born in Tasmanly Village, not, mm-hmm. just, not right. just Lucas and Klaus. And, and, and like, like, maybe even if Flint and Hinoa were children when they when the arc happened because i mean Hinoa was an adult woman who has a who has a parent in tasmalee again like definitely less than 30 years my guess is probably in the neighborhood of 15 mm-hmm. to 20 it hadn't been that long mm-hmm. but the uh but the mad gypsies had been there for thousands mm-hmm. of years and guarded the secret of um of the dark dragon and the needles so my guess was maybe they left in their spaceship or their ark they call it a white ship and maybe they're in space in suspended animation or something for thousands of years. And when they finally return, the world is empty and governed by the Medjipsies. So, maybe. So, so I think that maybe they were gone for a long, long time, but Tasmali itself had only existed for less than 20 years. Hmm. But, it's, but th- this is speculation. It, like, the idea that Tasmali was intended to be a pure, uncorrupted village only for Porky and the pig masks to deliberately and facade to deliberately corrupt it. I don't know. It puts a, a dark turn on everything. And, um, and, and again, it, it boils down to Porky is just a spoiled brat of a kid who is making like ordering scientists to create these chimeras like, uh, I don't know, like Sid in the first Toy Story movie and doing these things and being worshipped as a god, like making a clear through line to unchecked capitalism leads to leads to unchecked power for the people at the top leads to fascism which I, I again i don't think it's a controversy for me to make that connection in the context of this game I, I don't know when you when i think especially if you've if you've played earthbound the realization that everything that's bad that's happened in mother 3 is part of the twisted dream of that horrible bratty kid from from earthbound just i don't know makes me want to take down porky all the more yeah, I mean, there's a particular line. I can't remember if Lita says it or if somebody else says it, but they say the reason that people left is because of the way that they live. So it makes you think, oh, did they develop society so much that they ended up in a similar position to Newport City? Like, did capitalism kill their first, last world? And then you're looking at Mother 3 and you're seeing 
like where it is now with Newport City all really well developed and extremely extravagant and you know hot dogs cost $200 or however much they cost and it's (laughs) like they're about to do it again all over again capitalism is about to eat the world again (laughs) that's that's how I took it essentially right I I think let's, let's say years or even generations after the events of Earthbound something in foresight takes home takes hold and capitalism leads to global conflict which destroys the whole world which led yeah. to these these people le- leaving in the ark i'm, I'm not going to blame ness for everything that happened here and uh mm-hmm. and and porky uses some space technology from gygus to escape this and become a time traveler for an indeterminate amount of time when you, when you meet porky in person he's an he's an ancient man and said that he's probably been doing this for 10,000 years and 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 porky tries to again like half recreate and half remake the uh the world with with him as a central like deity figure which again is just history repeating itself despite the um the refugees of tasmally trying to deliberately trying to avoid that and maybe it's all because the extremely tall man uh letter never never said anything (laughs) it's it's amazing to me that and and we'll get more into this we get more into the the ending of it but um but i think it's going to become clear that um this game is kind of the as far as i've seen the most salient critique of capitalism and uh consumerism that i've seen in a video game just mm-hmm. in just in um how in, in its totality you know it's not just a joke about oh capitalism sucks and you know here or there it's uh it's this all-consuming immature force that just wants to um that wants to exist forever and wants to consume and wants to um, that has kind of a deeply nihilistic streak about it. Yeah, no, I totally agree. That's exactly how I felt coming out of Mother 3. Ignoring capitalism and going straight on to fascism, Porky is the target here. He, the reason he invited Lucas and his crew over is so that the, uh, the masked man can pull the final needle with Lucas watching so that the nuisances that, uh, or at least to Porky, the nuisances that have been interfering with his plans can sort of just see his plans come to fruition uh, is, I don't know, an extreme amount of hubris, but it uh, it, it it leads uh, the team into going through Porky's tower. He invites, he keeps inviting the inviting them to go to the 100th floor, but every new elevator takes you to a different floor and, and Porky acts like it's your fault that you can't find it. Whatever, that jerk. Uh, and and uh, you, you meet DCMC again, uh, but they're instead of playing the uh, a rock version of the of the pig mask army, they're playing a rock version of like the Lucas L- uh, and Klaus lullaby, and um, the, the, it is a triumphant reunion between Duster slash Lucky and DCMC, of course. Uh, then you go through an area that's like a that's a, a reserve for tank hippopotamus chimeras. <laughs> then an area that's under construction. Then a uh, uh, a, a weird. I mean, I'm going slightly out of order, probably. Then an, another throne room for Porky, where he has like a harem of women that are fanning him with with palm leaves, and then a Magipsy home that makes it pretty clear that the final Magip- missing Magipsy is Facade all along. Uh, Locria and Facade are the same person. It, you, it's it's one of those Magipsy shell homes, but there's bananas left everywhere, and uh, and a discarded razor and lipstick. Right. So. And facades closed as well. Oh yes. Um, yeah. So I have I have a couple theories about this. We know at some point that F- Facade collaborated with the Pig Mask Army to corrupt Tasmali, and Facade abandoned their uh, their their duties as a Magipsy, as the former Locria, to to help with the corruption of the community. 
but but exactly how did this happen? Like like why did uh why did Facade go to the dark side or or Locria go to the far far to the dark side? I have a three theories about this. One, Locria got extremely fed up and maybe even bored by being an inactive near immortal being and just wanted change. Or bananas are some kind of evil poison to Majipsies and too many bananas turned Locria evil. <laughs> possibly possi- <laughs> possibly possibly Porky even well. possibly Porky gave them bananas. <laughs> or or the, the last one, this is the one I believe in the most. Um Majipsies stop like 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 lose their innocence and purity if their beard grows too large. And and and, Lo- and Locria, no, Locria neglected to shave for some amount of time, and then grew a beard and became the evil facade. So you're saying that because facade has a bigger beard, that's why he dies in the sewers? Because we're assuming that yeah, well, we're we're making mm-hmm. the assumption because obviously you know we've already said that the gypsies die when their needles pulled. Facade probably dies before their needles pulled. Why? Like that's never. Yeah, explained. the translator seems to indicate that Fasada's gone at that point, which is why when I was went up to that you know house, I was like, how how is Fasad of a gypsy? I don't, I don't understand. Well, I, I mean, Fasad was remade by scientists twice. First in a new Fasad with uh, their nose becoming saxophones, and then Miracle <laughs> Fasad, who you fight in the sewer, who has like eight saxophones there. And but why? And and, 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 and if they're a and, gypsy, and, how like how why would they even need that? Maybe they aren't a magipsy anymore. Like, like it's it's the near automata thing. If you replace all of your parts with your human parts with robot parts, are you a human anymore? Ah. <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah. But the, uh, but, I mean, but but like, I mean, the immortality of facade uh, as a magipsy or as a non-magipsy, like aside a little bit, the, the thing that really should have clued me in earlier is that uh, from when they're new facade um, and and, uh, and their nose is mostly saxophones, they play a slower mm. off-key version of the Majipsy saxophone music in all of their speech. Oh, I yeah. didn't notice that. That's when mm-hmm. I twigged. Yeah, and uh, and I... that's a really cool note. But like, exactly like how Locria became facade or what their total motivation was is a little unclear. And again, th- that goes to my theories about razors and bananas, which I, I which I'm not sold, but I, I kind of like both of those, especially the razor. I, theory. I haven't heard a better theory. So. <laughs> I mean, I'm, you could do worse. I'm pretty sold. I'm pretty sold on the banana theory because I'm allergic to bananas and my heart is full of, my heart is full of joy and gold and butterflies. So I'd say, so I'd say your second theory is spot on. I enjoy oh, yeah. I enjoy bananas, but I don't eat them nearly at the volume that Facade does. So I uh, well, so, then so, you'd no. be you'd be evil if you did. <laughs> but also, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I think I believe I think the ones I like in order are Beard One, Bananas Two, uh, on Ennui, or Corruption from Porky Three. <laughs> yeah, I like the first one. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, continuing up the tra- the tower, you finally meet Porky, but first you have to go through a series of games. Or, or, or tasks that that resemble parlor games or, or children's games, but you have to let Porky win or or, or, or a robot fa- uh, just a robot. barely win, yeah. barely, yeah. Why? You know, you, you have to make it a game. In a race, like I won by like a uh, hair, and it was still by two months. No, you got to keep it close because if you clearly throw the game, then he'll get mad at you for throwing the game. But if you lose yeah. by only a little bit, he won't be mad that he lost and won't be mad that you threw it because it was kept close. It totally makes sense to me, but also just communicates even further that Porky is a spoiled brat of a kid that is that is just unlikable 
just a petulant little shit, isn't he? Yeah, he like, really is. Oh, yeah. You know it's that. You much... know that from like from like minute five of Earthbound with that obnoxious knock <laughs> on the front door. He, yeah. he reminds me of an orange leader I know. <laughs> I don't care. Keep oh. it. In. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty. It's pretty much like the uh, the ending scene of The Incredibles where um, yes. where Dash is running in that race yes. and they're like they're like. Like you can't, you can't win too much. Like you have to make it close. Yeah, like, 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 go go for a second, keep it close. <laughs> There's kind of two ways that I'm looking at it, and one is like the funny, like oh, it's like The Incredibles. But it also reminds me of, on a darker note, how in in the the kind of capitalist system, the oppressed, they're like kind of tasked with you have to succeed, you have to do great things and such. But it's only up to a certain level, like. You can do you can do great things, but if you succeed too much, then you're going to get you're going to get a slap on the wrist or many times worse. Now you're being uh, too good for yourself. You're doing you're doing too much. You're making the dominant class feel bad or something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so I saw that I was like, yep, I I definitely remember playing. Uh, you know, playing video games with kids and they and they wouldn't want me to win by too much or else they'd start crying and you know, these were like the rich kids, you know, houses yeah. that well, was yeah, at or something. Well, I mean, That's I mean, true. Basically playing with an awful child and like sort of managing the selfish wants of, you know, socioeconomic class conflict, basically the same thing. Mm-hmm. Similar idea, yes. <laughs> a level of childishness and inability to accept defeat, yeah. I mean, like, I, I don't have babysat children and beat them at Smash Melee like 50 times in a row, <laughs> and I wouldn't stop. I don't care. <laughs> so I, I understand Porky a little bit. <laughs> I remember I was, I was if playing there's, a... If there's one thing to take from this podcast, it's that Zach Wilkerson will kick your kid's ass in Smash Bros. <laughs> <laughs> That's you, a true story. You got you got you to be careful though. Like I was, I remember I was, um, I was introducing video games to the uh, one of my younger cousins. Probably, probably not something his parents would have would have wanted. Um, and, and and now he's taller than me, which is not acceptable at all. Uh, yeah, he's, he's he's probably about twenty now. But uh, I was playing. I think it was Soul Calibur two or Soul Calibur three with him. And for a while, first I just I just I just beat his ass to establish dominance. Then I let him win a little bit and was giving him tips like, oh, you should guard this high and this low. Your mistake low. was letting him win. Yeah, no, 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 no. <laughs> it, 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 I let him win a couple times. Then I taught him a couple things like the basics of guarding and combos. And then he won a couple times in a row. And then he started to. Because he was he was a smart kid, like actually get good at the game, and at, at, it came to a point where he was winning, but I wasn't letting him win. <laughs> so I, I made I made a mistake. Like, okay, I need to good, I, 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 I need to I need to switch to Mitsurugi and actually play seriously now. <laughs> um, like letting uh, Porky win, but only by a little bit. There was a kernel of real of real world playing with children to that, <laughs> to that that I that I remembered. Although uh, my my young my young cousin is definitely a better kid than Pokey ever was, definitely. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. It's hard to be that bad. Uh, continuing on, the final confrontation with Porky. He's probably tens of thousands of years old. He's in a console that kind of looks like the weird spider robot he was in in Earthbound. But uh, before you meet him, you go through this like gondola ride that has oh, a bunch that has so a bunch cool. of a bunch so of cool. items and scenes from Earthbound depicted. And there's also scenes from Earthbound depicted in the movie theater in New Pork City. That goes back to the idea that made me think Porky just secretly wants to be cooler than Ness and is mad as hell that Ness was the hero of that story while and Porky doesn't have any 
heroic qualities. I mean, he's a toady and a bully and a coward and all these awful things. But secretly, he wants to be the cool hero and was just so mad that Ness was the cool hero. And that's that was a thought that occurred to me when you go through the gondola sequence. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I mean, I'm an idiot and enjoy rubbing out the pencil eraser. Yeah. And you see the one at City Bus and the Runaway 5 bus. Yeah. Uh, All this earthbound, you know, paraphernalia and such, it seems like it's kind of, it's kind of reverent in a way. It's like, I'm, I'm angry that I wanted to be you in this game. I wanted to be the hero in some way, in the way that I thought was correct and no one else did. And yeah, this is probably getting a bit too much into psychoanalyzing uh, Porky slash Pokey, but, but that's kind of how, how I took it is like a little bit of, uh, a little bit of Delita and a little bit of the Joker, um, though. Though y'all might not agree quite I, with the uh, with the former, <laughs> I would say a little bit, of, a little bit of the Joker and a lot of every obnoxious kid you knew growing up. Um, As a person who interacts with teenagers a lot, and I and I love most of my students, or all of my students really, but um, <laughs> it's true. Just got to put that in there in case they ever come across it's this. True, it's true. Yeah, I hope they do. But like, <laughs> there are definitely teenagers who like that form of dominance. Not that I don't think that Porky thinks that he's doing the right thing, but like his right thing is like, I dominate. I have fun, really. Like, I'm cool. Like, ultimately, his end game is to like be the cool kid because he wants to be Lucas's friend, too, really. Whereas he, 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 he wants, I think he wanted to invite Lucas to his house and then Lucas tell Porky that Porky's cool. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get back to this another time. I will, I will prove that there is a, that there's a strain between, uh, Delita and Porky. Okay. Just see where. Hard disagree, but eventually, uh, Porky, you have to fight a bunch of Porky robots, which I made the mistake of casting, like, Love Omega and Starstorm <laughs> on them, which they we reflected right back. That was a rude awakening. And then after defeating several of them, uh, DCMC saves you, just like the Run of Y5 saved you in Earthbound, <laughs> uh, and, and defeats the remaining ones. And uh, eventually Porky takes you down a super fast elevator drop to the uh, un- to the underground beneath the tower where the location of of the final needle is and uh you, you fight you fight porky it's a normal boss fight i didn't even think it was that challenging uh, no. pro- uh, it was easier than a lot of the ones in chapter seven post yeah yeah in, in chapter seven and eight but yeah. uh and after you defeat him uh porky puts himself inside a super sa- safe sphere or something which is uh basically imprisoning himself in a place where he's immune to harm but also can't ever leave which is a i don't know a, a bit a bit of a a dark yet appropriate ending like he's just mm-hmm. he's he's a prison of his own mind and paranoia at the uh, yeah. at the end which i think is a um an appropriately dark and unpleasant ending for him but then the real final conflict happens where lucas faces off against his brother the masked man with uh with, with flint nearby on looking uh and and basically Klaus uses Klaus uses lightning to f- sort of fry your whole party, but the Franklin badge given to you by Flint reflects it. Uh, so it's just a solo Lucas versus Klaus conflict, where you have to hold out against Luca against Klaus long enough for him to come to his senses. And it's it's a long, grueling fight. You all really the the solution is to only guard or heal yourself through the entire battle. To uh, um, otherwise. Otherwise, like I mean, attacks won't work, and it'll just waste a turn that you could be guarding or healing. And uh, it's it's slowly having Klaus uh, listen to Flint try to intervene and, and talk to him, but also mostly listen to the disembodied voice of the of your mother Hinawa, 
and uh, it's it takes a while. Like this is we're talking about dozens of turns of combat here. Mm-hmm. But um, Klaus does come to his senses, removes his helmet, and uh, sort of deliberately casts a large lightning bolt on onto Lucas, and basically takes the lightning full brunt to uh, to die in Lucas's arms. Oh, oh. And, mm. and 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 all this with his brother and father watching, and with his mother watching from beyond the grave. And it is it is just completely heartbreaking. It is a uh, it, it's a messy emotional. Uh, fight that uh, I mentioned to this uh to uh you off air Alana it kind of reminds me of um of Dragon Quest 5 there's a there's a fight where and if yeah. you played if you played Dragon Quest 5 you know what I'm talking about which uh takes place in you basically have to watch someone die slowly yeah no. but it takes place entirely in the battle interface of the game yeah. and so using and in both in Dragon Quest V and in Mother Three, the battle interface is a little bare bones. Like you, you have, the, it's, it's sort of you know enemy photo menus and stats at the only at the bottom or top of the screen. But you sort of have to, in in Dragon Quest V and Mother Three, you just sort of have to just watch someone struggle until they die, and it is so heartbreaking. And speaking specifically to Mother Three, uh, getting more words from Hinoa and more suffering from Flint and uh, Klaus's attacks get weaker and weaker. To, to which point we're towards the end they're only dealing like 10 11 damage to you and he just he zaps himself and then just embrace and then just embraces lucas and apologizes and passes on and it is so rough like holy yeah. like holy shit this is a game boy advance game this is a game for children i mean it's not is it <laughs> like, no, we've no. already talked about all the stuff that makes it not like the children it looks like the charlie brown and snoopy yeah. show but it, yeah. it's but it's tone but and it's content it's even more devastating yeah it's tone yeah. and its content are so sophisticated and adult that it's it's mind-blowing the places that mother three goes and culminating in the death of klaus i i i sort of knew it was coming like like I, I hadn't got read a spoiler or anything, but I, I could sort of see where this is going. This isn't going to end with Lucas and Klaus holding hands and walking back to town together. But it, uh, I, yeah, it, it was it was just such a brutal and poignant moment. Yeah, I think it's the circumstances, isn't it? Like you've got Hinawa telling you to, telling Klaus to get his get together and stop fighting. Like it's things like she says, "Stop fighting your brothers," and then there's that flashback where after they've had the twins, they go. Oh, well, what do you want our sons to be like? And both Hinawa and Flint both say, Oh, we want them to grow up kind, to be like you. And it's like every little thing that drip feeds mm. through that fight is so difficult to process because it's like, you know, for the first four or five turns, you can't do any damage to Klaus. And it's not until uh, Flint takes damage because he runs in and protects you that you can actually retaliate physically and it's the whole process of that fight is really hard as a sibling and like watching Klaus kind of get his senses together and slowly realize what he's done and remember everything. It's really, really hard because like when people think of the worst of themselves, like sometimes you just want to give up and not be around anymore. And I kind of feel like that that's how Klaus felt like he remembered his mother's death. He remembered, you know, he's killed people. He's pulled needles out for this per of a porky and done all of this. And all he wanted to do was get stronger. And if that's all of a consequence of what he wanted, then yeah, it's pretty horrible. Like Klaus has just gone through so much and so is Lucas. Like the thing is Lucas is mute throughout this whole thing. And it's like, how does he feel about the whole thing? It's just, it's a lot to take in, in 10 minutes of, like, cutscene gameplay stuff, I think. 
Lucas is a silent protagonist, and it's not. Oh, and it has a bit of a blank face syndrome that you know yeah. that's true of a lot of silent protagonists. But I think it is communicated that he's sensitive and kind and tries to do good. And with with just that background, I don't know. It it it, uh, it only makes the moment more devastating. Yeah, well, you think of everything that Lucas has gone through as well throughout the game, and it's like, this is how it ends. His brother dead in his arms, and he pulls out the final needle to reset the world, which, you know, looks like it's going to go okay, because in the credits you can talk to various different people, and they all address you, the player. Um, It's like, I don't know, it's just... I, I felt crap after being Mother 3. I was like, I don't want to I don't want to reset the world. Like, knowing that it would probably go through the same cycle again... Like that, letter said with capitalism and. I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe the reset version of the world won't have Pokey's influence. Because, yeah, because, but... because Porky, Porky was a slash Pokey was a time traveling agent of chaos. Maybe he never sent uh, Low Korea that package of bananas. Um, <laughs> it's completely uncertain what will happen. Although I think we can assume that the existing world is going to be destroyed and and Lucas will will rebuild it. And and his and Lucas's pure heart will reflect the new world, but the, the Mother Three ends with then the end of the world. <laughs> but you know, if Lucas is changing the world because it's that a pure heart will be able to do this, is his heart pure at that time though? Um, right. You know, he's as he's doing this, he's deeply grieving. Um, you know, the loss of his brother who has just been kind of turned against him by these forces that he can't even begin to comprehend in a lot of ways, much less control. Um, so I'd like to think of the, the ending as optimistic, but I think there's also the possibility of that being sort of, sort of being the optimistic, what we want to happen, but what doesn't actually happen. It could be that with all that destruction and stuff around, that wasn't just the, the ending that you escape um, to the credit screen. That might have just been the end of it, period, and the rest of it is just sort of this, you know, dreamlike state of what we wish it could have been. You made it more tragic, Joe. Stop. <laughs> I mean, this is how I interpreted it as well. <laughs> maybe, maybe maybe Lucas isn't pure-hearted anymore after the after the trauma and turmoil he's gone through. Oh no! Yeah. But I mean, like. I don't know if this is ever addressed in game because they say like whoever pulls out the needles has to be either you know pure of heart or dock of heart but they're split between the two people so is it just determined by the final needle because I don't know like why would it make a difference if two different people pull out all the needles I'm thinking way too much into it obviously it's not not like it's not like a tennis set or a fighting game (laughs) where where you you win if you get one more round than the opponent four to three yeah yeah I mean, they say at some point after Klaus pulls the second needle, like you have to pull the rest of the needles and then Klaus pulls another needle. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess that, like I saw the credit sequence is sort of exulting. Um, but yeah, I guess. The Dark Dragon is probably <laughs> very confused. Again, I think all we have is end question mark. All right. Yeah. Moving through the credits. Oh, yeah. Did y'all, did y'all move through the credits? Oh yes! Oh yeah! Mm-hmm. <laughs> I texted Alana about it, it immediately. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> again, I mean, I'm like Porky, just again manifesting his his evil childlike whims, like made Klaus into into his toy robot. 
So like, like was his heart, was Klaus's heart even dark? I mean, it, it might've, right. again, they only detected yeah. emptiness from it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It I mean, maybe even, emptiness is worse. I don't know. That's he wasn't even of that. He wasn't even of that world at that point. You know, when Bonnie tries to sniff him or when Nixie tries to like kind of scope him out and she's like, I don't sense anything from him. Like he's, he's practically a shell. There might be a point for, you know, good dragon ending. <laughs> but I think there's some ambiguity there. Um, it's The ending, I think, is beautiful nonetheless, um, regardless of how exactly it goes. But but there could be some, you know, more tragedy <laughs> incoming from it. It's, it's very ambiguous. And b- because we have this notion of the world repeating itself and destroying itself, like, there's the thought that, Lucas could rebuild the world, and even if he's pure of heart and does it in as as well as he can, is it doomed to destroy itself again? Maybe. Maybe. It's a bit like it's a bit like Near Automata in that way, where it's you know it's thinking of the, this sort of cycles of violence and pain mm-hmm. as um, just kind of never ending. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't. I mean, I personally don't see the world uh, like that. I, I see it as like, especially within the world of Mother Three, um, it's the conditions that have been that have been crafted around it that cause this world to be as such. Like, it's not uh, human nature is just inherently terrible. No, it's yeah. the it's the environment, it's the conditions, it's the the kind of root of capitalism that seeps mm-hmm. into everything. Yeah, I mean, I think that they sort of turn this into sort of more of a Greek tragedy, whereas like it's sort of like the fate of capitalism that is ruining you as opposed to any of the flaws of the characters. I mean, certainly Porky is his own force that comes from outside, but he sort of functions as like almost a Greek God here. So I think that, yeah, I mean, I think that if we're just looking at the humans here um, outside of Porky um, and the Magypsies included, like, I I think that you see um, like sort of a a strain of goodness here that I think if Porky is eliminated, I actually think that this is relatively optimistic. The idea that he's gone regardless if 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 lucas can rebuild the world and there's no porky and no facade to corrupt the the pure world that lucas creates then i think that that's a more optimistic worldview than what happens in in mother three and in the previous events of mother three where you know in the uh we know that the world prior to the nowhere islands was also humanity destroying itself yeah i think so think i just doubt people <laughs> yeah sure i mean yeah like, it, it, it's kind of realistically then sure yeah people are i mean yeah, the, yeah the answer uh, the answer to this question is like how much faith do you have in human nature and human civilization is is sort of your will affect your worldview on what might happen in a in a potential uh, new world created by lucas it's it, these are unanswerable questions but uh it's it's fun to think about because even though this ending is ambiguous, it's definitely powerful. And I, I I think the most powerful moment in any GBA game I've ever even heard of is that final battle between Lucas and Klaus. But uh, like where Mother Three ends is something that I will think about for a long, long time. And I, I mean, and really, the the point of all art is to make you think things and make you feel things. And I think Mother Three accomplished both of the both of those mm-hmm. both of those elements. So powerfully that uh, it, it 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 might be the best GBA RPG. Like, I mean, what's the competition? Seriously, I mean, like, there's nothing. Mar- Mario and Luigi, uh, maybe uh, the they're, they're which, whichever whichever yeah, fire whichever they're fire emblem game. game you like the best. Uh, eh, eh, no. <laughs> 
all right, if I I don't want this to turn into a a sixth episode about fire emblem, so I think we should we should probably we should probably end it. Listeners, thank you so much for joining us on this uh, all over the place discussion about Mother Three that took us two weeks. We could do a third episode, and we might yet. I'll tell you about it in a little bit. But uh, again, I'm not going to tell you how to find Mother Three. But if you use Google judiciously, you can do you can find it in English, and it is a hell of an experience. It uh, this is a both from a mechanical and game design standpoint and a storytelling and uh, thematic standpoint, this is an incredible video game that I think, I, I mean, I, I don't even know I have to advertise it to you. We've completely spoiled everything if you haven't played this game and are listening to us now. So good luck. But I, 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 ho- I, I hope you at least, I hope you found this discussion entertaining or illuminating whether you've played the game or not. But uh if you haven't played this game, maybe you should. But uh, let's go into the future of Retro Encounter a little bit. Uh, next week we are is going to be part one of a two-part series where we try to determine the best video game console for RPGs. Um, basically, I miss sports. I'm sad we didn't get a we didn't get a uh, March Madness college basketball tournament for my alma mater, the University of, Defin- of Virginia, to defend their title. I'm uh, I, yeah, I was, I was, yeah yeah I'm very I'm very disappointed in that. <laughs> So uh, we're we're I'm filling that hole in my heart that the NCAA tournament left with a uh, a six a seventeen console bracket to uh, that's that's a that's a sixteen round a sixteen sixteen seed single elimination plus a play in game um, for the best console for RPGs. Uh, we're basically going to argue over the RPG libraries and oeuvres of seventeen different consoles and arrive at a single winner. But because that's a exhausting exercise it's going to be played over two episodes and those are the first episodes you will see in june um also in june we're doing two episodes on yakuza zero that uh open world action game with a lot of rpg with increasing amounts of rpg elements over the years culminating in yakuza 7 uh already out in japan later this year worldwide being a straight up turn-based rpg so, but we're going to be exploring uh, one of the most acclaimed Yakuza games in Yakuza Zero, also in June. In July, uh, we are doing two episodes on Tactics Ogre: Let Us Cling Together. That was determined by fan vote um, a little while ago, and uh, um, that's a game I've been meaning to get to for a long time. So I'm very eager to start that up soon. But also in July, um, we're bringing back uh, a format that we've had a lot of fun with in 2019. Um, we are going to do a new episode of RPG Villains focusing on Pokey slash Porky Mitch. So there's going to be a lot of, Mo- of Earthbound and Mother 3 talk in July, uh, going in, uh, doing a deep dive into the actions, motivations, and possible regrets of uh, of Porky, the... Uh, the, the main... I, you know, I'm pretty sure that he was supposed to be Porky all along, but they just they just localized Porky and Piggy as Pokey and Picky for, uh, yeah. for, for Earthbound, uh, in the, in 1993 or whenever that happened. It's a, so, so like I've been switching between Porky and Pokey this whole episode, probably confusing everyone involved, but, uh, no apologies. Uh, there, and there will also be no apologies in, uh, that, in that July episode, just a lot of discussion about our very piggy brat of a villain. Uh, but listeners, if you want to email us, the best way to do so is retro at RPGfan.com. Uh, I'm going to be plugging the email more uh, 
more in the next couple of weeks because I, uh, episode 250, I would I want some emails for that. So uh, please email us, retroartrpgfan.com. You can also com- contact us by commenting on the rpgfan.com boards, visiting the Facebook page, visiting Instagram, Twitter, at rpgfancom, our Discord server, our Twitch channel with something streaming every day, three other fine podcasts, Random Encounter focusing on randomness, Rhythm Encounter focusing on RPG music, and Phoenix Edge focusing mostly on current events and is also a weekly podcast. You can review Retro Encounter and those th- other three podcasts on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Podcast Addict, however you are listening to us. We love feedback. Please give us feedback. But uh, speaking of feedback, if you want to provide individual panelists with feedback, uh, how, do we, how do you contact them directly? Let's tell you, starting with you, Joe. Uh, so you can uh, find me on RPG Fans uh, Facebook and Twitter, um, but you can also find me personally as uh, at Eva Least on uh, on Instagram and Twitter. Um, or if you just use the hashtag Marx was right, I will like just rise out of nowhere. <laughs> okay, and Zach. Uh, you can email me at ZachW at RPGFan.com or you can find me on Discord at ZachW. And Alana, how can listeners find you? Uh, Twitter is the best place. I am at Alana Hags on there, or you can email me at alanah at rpgfan.com. And listeners, if you want to reach me directly, you can find me on Twitter at The Real Monsoon most of the time, at Evoker for Dogs other times, and I am Monsoon Mike on RPG Fans Discord. So, uh, this was a, a, a journey playing through this game with you, uh, Alana, Joe, and Zach, and uh, there will be more journeys on Retro Encounter with, involving the four of us, but I don't know if any of them will be quite as, as poignant as this one. Mother 3 really, really blew my mind. And, uh, yeah, it's a, th- th- this was a heavy one. And, and thank you for accompanying me on this, on this podcast. I wouldn't have done pleasure. it with three any other people. Yeah, loved it. So listeners, thank you. Good night. Good luck.